0: listening to a podcast from the national. The Arab coalition has paused its offensive in Hodeidah, as announced on Sunday by the UAE Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Dr. Anwar Gargash. This is in hopes of giving UN Special Envoy Martin Griffiths enough time to implement his plan for peace. The UAE, as part of the Arab coalition, has always been a proponent of a political solution in Yemen. Peace, the country has maintained, can only be achieved by diplomatic means. With the liberation of Hodeidah from Houthi control imminent, the coalition now looks to negotiate Houthi withdrawal from rebel-held Sana'a. The coalition is also welcoming a larger media presence in Yemen to combat Iranian influence and propaganda. The National will be sending a correspondent to Yemen to report from the ground. This is Beyond the Headlines, I'm Nasr Westme, wesmi and today we assess the ceasefire in Hodeidah and if peace is finally on the table in Yemen. Gareth Brown joined us in our Abu Dhabi studio before flying to Yemen to cover the situation from the ground. had a ceasefire from Sunday. What does this mean exactly, and how does this factor into the peace talks?
1: So the ceasefire uh, in Hodeidah was um, actually began on the twenty third of June, and it was announced yesterday by, yesterday by the the UAE Minister of uh, Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Anwar Gargash. Um, and effectively, the the ceasefire um, it was more of a cessation on on. Um, Arab coalition-backed forces advances into the city of Hodeida itself and the port, which is just to the north of the city. Um, and you know, it, it was significant because it was the first kind of official um, recognition of, of of this kind of cessation um, of advances from the coalition. And it was done essentially in, in in an effort to provide space to the UN special envoy for Yemen, Martin Griffiths, to to find a diplomatic solution. Um, you know, I think from from both, um, you know, the the Yemeni um, pro-government forces and the Arab coalition forces, whether that's the UAE or Saudi, nobody is really keen on an urban battle in Hodeida itself. You know, it's a city of 600,000 people and that has the potential to get very messy very, very quickly. And there's a lot of civilians trapped inside, you know, urban combat will be, um, you know, likely quite disastrous for for, for that kind of local population. So the ceasefire, um, which was initially brought in for just a week, but actually uh, we're now on day ten, it would be. Um, it, it was it was basically an effort to buy time for this diplomatic solution. Martin Griffiths, the, the, the UN the UN special envoy, has been shuttling between Sanaa, Aden, uh, and Muscat. He's speaking to all parties, and you know, so far his statements do sound quite optimistic. He thinks that there is an agreement that can be made. Um, that uh, that initial week that the cessation of hostilities was brought in for is now expired. We don't know how long it's going to continue for. Uh, we don't know if coalition forces are preparing to to, to advance on the city now that it's over. Um, but you know, Griffiths has, has traveled to, to Sanaa again today um, and he, he really is very busy speaking to a lot of people. So perhaps there can be a diplomatic solution. Mm.
0: The UAE, as part of the Arab coalition, uh, they're keen on making sure that the ceasefire is held. I mean, you said that it went on for, it was planned for a week, but now it's on the 10th day. They've said in the past that the political solution uh, is the best way to achieve peace. Um, but what does that entail exactly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the question on everyone's mind. What, what does a future Yemen look like, a Yemen after Hodeidah? Um And... You know, depending on who you speak to, everyone will have different opinions about this, right? Are we, are we looking at like a heavy federalized system? Most likely, you know, where where um, um, political kind of power is distributed to various parts of the country. Um, you know, Yemen has, has, has really struggled to have a kind of um, strong functioning central government. The centralized power um, sphere hasn't really worked in Yemen so far. But, um, you know... A political solution at the minute, you know, that that's perhaps some way off. But I think Martin Griffiths is, is optimistic that if they can find a diplomatic solution to Hodeidah, then that, um, you know, brings a bit of um, diplomatic momentum for, for, for a wider peace process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so regarding Hodeidah specifically, at the minute, um, the Arab coalition and, and the, the government, the Hadi government, uh, both demanding a full um, withdrawal of the Houthis from um, from the port and from the city, um, and you know this port is really important for the Houthis. It's it's a, it's a it's a real cash cow for them. Some estimates say they earn between thirty and forty million dollars a month just from um, taxing the the not just humanitarian aid but also just kind of general trade that comes through this port. Um, and they kind of use that to finance you know a lot a lot of their activities across Yemen, mm. wherever it may be. Um, and the hope is that you know. By taking away this cash cow, you can kind of bring the Houthis to the table to mm-hmm. negotiate a kind of sustainable and comprehensive peace agreement for the whole of Yemen. So, in in some regards, hadeda and, and the, 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 the negotiations for peace there, the diplomatic efforts in hadeda are a microcosm for the rest of the country mm-hmm. and for the whole conflict. And, you know, if they can find a way to... to um, bring about a peaceful diplomatic solution to what's going on in he- Hodeidah, but ha- perhaps within that we'll see the key to a solution for the rest of the country.
0: Right. Well, it's it's been mentioned before that strategically Hodeidah, uh, if it were to fall or if it were to be recaptured by the Arab coalition, the Yemeni forces, then that would spell the downfall of uh, the Houthis, because, as you said, uh, a lot of the supplies are coming in through there, and also it would improve the humanitarian situation there. What, what is the latest on uh, on that? I mean, we had last year cholera outbreaks uh, and other concerns. So, is that situation getting better now? Uh, what's the latest?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, the main concern with the humanitarian situation regarding Hadeda is that you know it really is a, a kind of humanitarian artery. Seventy percent of the country's imports come in through that. And and a real concern was this operation, this military operation, Golden Victory, as it's been dubbed, would would close the port. Now the, the port is still operating. It's it's definitely at a reduced capacity. Yesterday, seven boats uh, had docked with 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 supplies, and there were seven more waiting nearby to to kind of unload further supplies. So it's still operating. Um, it's it's not at maximum capacity, but the fact that it's operating is, is is promising in the sense that all the equipment is still working, the cranes are still functioning, the ramps are still um, usable. Um, and that's going to be really critical, any any, any kind of operational or, or handover deal, um, you know, a real central point of that is going to be actually, whatever happens, this port needs to stay open, whoever's controlling it. You know, the coalition and the, the UAE-backed forces are very, very confident that um you know once the the port is 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 taken back from the houthis whether that happens as a result of a military operation or through negotiations that they can get the port back up and running very very quickly you know the uae do have they've got experience at this they've done it in um in aden um and and the the logic there is that it will actually improve the the humanitarian situation across the country because you can have that port um, operating at a higher capacity and you know There's been reports of the Houthis introducing taxes and making uh, importing humanitarian aid and and goods for trade very, very difficult through that port. Um, And I guess opening up that port, you know, widening that artery definitely has the potential to ease the humanitarian situation, not just in Hodeidah, but throughout the country.
0: So what is the situation now in Hodeidah, you know, from your correspondence with people there? And how do its locals perceive the Houthis?
1: Yeah, so the uh, the Arab coalition-backed forces have taken the airport, which is just to the south of the city, um, and they've kind of just begun to sweep round to, to the to the east of the city as well. But they haven't really entered the city's um, urban centres. Let's say, um, you know, we know they've they've taken over the, the the airport, which is quite a large, it's a pretty sp- sprawling area, and they're still taking fire there from from within urban Haidaa um you know we've seen uh, evidence um from from you know speaking to people inside Hadeda and and also from um information posted on social media that the houthi's have prepared um the city for for an urban battle and this includes things like digging trenches fortifications the the, the thing with that is that these these fortifications have have knocked out electricity poles and and water pipes so you have large parts of the neighborhood without any electricity at all, or or at least for many hours in in the day. Um, Lots of places without running water. So, you know, the practicalities of everyday life become a lot more difficult. And we're also seeing a lot of people fleeing. Um, The ones that can afford to are are getting out of the city um, because the fear that the potential for an urban fight is is very real. Um, And, you know, we also see these kind of... There are indications that, that locals are rejecting the Houthis. So there was a demonstration in one neighbourhood last week. Um, you know, the Houthis had put some um, artillery units in a residential neighbourhood. And uh, the locals came out and protest and said, you know, we don't want this here. We don't want this fight in our neighbourhood. And they, they kind of kicked the, the Houthis out. So there's all these kind of uh, indications of civil resistance against against the Houthis, hmm. um, which I uh, I think are definitely noteworthy, yeah.
0: Uh, Last week, the ministers of information from the Arab coalition uh, said that they want to align uh, and better fight this, what they call the Iranian uh, propaganda machine. What kind of news are they talking about there? Why is it important for journalists to kind of be on the ground like yourself to better, better, you know, deliver what's actually happening?
1: I mean, the the, the war in Yemen is like any any conflict and, and, you know, as much as there's, It's about the fighting on the ground. It's actually about the fighting for, 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 um, you know, public confidence. And and, and that revolves around, you know, information and portrayals and narratives and things like that. Um, You know, the the issue is that there are very, very few journalists reporting in, in Yemen on any side of the conflict. It's a really hostile place not just for international um reporters but for local reporters too you know it's a you know even even yemeni reporters it's it's a dangerous um story for them to tell um you know the the, the problem is when there when there's a lack of media access there then that creates a lot of space um virtual space if you like and that space is often <laughs> filled by the people who shout the loudest or um tweet the most but don't necessarily have the you know the facts on the ground. You're going to be one of a few journalists who are actually going to be on the ground
0: there reporting. And what are you hoping to get there? What are you what are you trying to get at the heart of? I
1: mean the I mean the heart of it is is speaking to Yemenis actually. Speaking to the people who don't have slots on 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 TV shows, who don't have columns in international newspapers. That's that's the most important aspect of the of the job. And it's finding the nuances and opinion, you know, because you know the, the the complexities in Yemen are, are are unique in in many ways. So um, if you don't if you can't like appreciate those those nuances, you're never going to really be able to 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 um, understand the root causes of the com- the conflict, right? Um, and that's what I would hope to do by by spending some time there on the ground, and also to remember that you know the the fighting, the the gun battles, the grenades, the the the, the shelling, whatever this kind of physical combat you see is is really just a symptom. It's a symptom of divides within a, uh, a country and between societies and communities and sometimes even families. And it's trying to understand those divides instead of just witness the symptoms, you know, treat the cause or, or understand the cause of, of this conflict. And I'd say that's at the heart of why any journalist anywhere goes to a A conflict zone like like yemen or why a yemeni reporter reports on the conflict within their own country because you know it's it's about developing a a deeper understanding and looking at the the causes not the symptoms of the war all right and best of
0: luck to you and we look forward to the stories you come
1: out thank you very much
0: thanks to gareth brown follow his coverage from the ground in yemen on the national.ae thanks also to Kevin Jeffers for producing. Subscribe to Beyond the Headlines and the Nationals podcast on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcast provider. I've been your host, Nasal al-Wesmi. Thank you for listening and goodbye.